0: Thank you, that was well done, and I love, I'm sure you probably have learned to love to be around people who have learned to trust Jesus. That segues greatly into our scripture reading this morning from Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to start at verse 1. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord. Beloved, I implore you, Odia, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord, and I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say... Rejoice! Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Father, thank you for these words that you have given to us have encouraged people to trust in you for these 2,000 years. And we have gathered here this morning to hear them again. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share with you some stories of some imaginary people. The man with... I was pointing to it. So, George, up in the corner with the sunglasses on his head, he was worried. It seemed like it was his responsibility to be worried. Who else was going to worry if it weren't to be him? His cars were both in six digits. Before the year is over, he needs to find the best deal on eight tires. His daughter needs braces, and he knew it would be a four-digit deal, but he didn't know the first digit was going to be a six. No chance of a pay increase. In fact, a dozen guys have been laid off, and he was working, picking up their slack. He finds himself at night going to Indeed.com, seeing if there's something better out there. It's not what he expected at age 50. 50. Phyllis got her hand in her chin. She was worried. Up until now, her, her only health concerns were spider veins, wrinkles, flab. But this week, her doctor confirmed her suspicion she has breast cancer. And her husband that left her 20 years ago, it feels more abandoned now than it did then. Matt, he was worried. He was sick to his stomach. He leaves tomorrow for his third tour of duty. When he enlisted to have a ticket to get out of Podunk County... The recruiter never mentioned to him how hard it would be to leave behind his bride and his two year old. Matt and his wife had not slept all night. They just held each other between alternating between making love and holding each other, weeping. Charlotta, in the middle, she was worried. She's 23 years old. She's never been in a real relationship. She had one date ended in her being assaulted. And now she is addicted to websites no one in the church would ever dream. She thinks no one in church knows what she's going through. And as she stepped across the threshold into her Sunday school room where she is the teacher... The thought came to her mind this is what being a hypocrite feels like. If you could pick up on what all those four people have in common, they're worried. And all four of them step into here, into any town Baptist church. And to hear the preacher man come up here and say, don't worry about anything. Trust God for everything. And maybe, maybe you're spiritually minded. You come in here and say, wow, that is exactly what I need today. And some of you might be sitting there thinking, why don't you come a little closer and say that? Some of you might be saying, "If you didn't know me, you're like, must be nice to have nothing to worry about." Because if you didn't know me, you wouldn't know that, you know, my firstborn daughter is a thousand miles away in her first year in college, and my wife is executing an estate for her uncle, and I know t- two people that died of COVID yesterday, and the list goes on. My daughter's first year in high school, my son's first year in middle school. I only know 80 people in this room so far. I counted off how many people I could name, you know. And there's at least one person that uh, saw that word, don't worry. And they just, the steel drum band started playing in your mind. In this life, we all have some trouble. When we worry, we make it double. Don't worry. Go ahead. Okay, so that's fun, you know, so you think, so it's going to church, is just like Margaritaville without the rum. <laughs> is that all there is? And I, and I want you to know there's, there's way more to it than that. We're, we're not just Margaritaville. It is fun to sing those beach songs. I, I get it. No shoes, no shirt, no problem. I sing along that just as much as anybody else. But it doesn't solve the problem, and, and God can. Because the best part about being able to stand up on this platform is I get to say, thus saith the Lord. And it would be just as true whether you're here in this room or if you're in the intensive care unit or if you're in Haiti or if you're in Afghanistan, the word of the Lord is be Anxious for nothing. In everything, we are to have prayer and supplication. Supplication means asking, but it's a little bit stronger of a word, just we're begging, pleading with God. And with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. I want you to know it's more than just good advice. This is is a command from our Father to us as children to not worry. Therefore, to worry is actually a sin. I had a deacon. He would call me up on a fairly regular basis and he would say pastor i'm living in sin and i would say okay neil what are you worried about today he knows that it's true and he knows more than a lot of us because he actually has a form of crohn's disease he he could get if he gets worked up he could be out of commission for a month he knows it's important not to be in a state of worry and anxiousness. A principle of biblical counseling that I've learned that has been very helpful is that whenever God tells us to not do something, he tends to tell us what to do instead. And that's very helpful. Uh, many times, if somebody comes to a pastor for help, for counseling, they're not usually trying to figure out whether something's right or wrong. They already know something's wrong, and now they want to know what to do about it. Now, I want you to know, God doesn't have to give us an alternative. If there's anybody that could reply with, because I said so, it's God. Okay? I created you. I sent Jesus to pay for your sins. Just shut up and do what I tell you to do. God certainly has the right to tell that to us, but I've learned over the time to look for in Scripture those things that God has told us to do in replace of those things that God has told us to not do. Don't steal. Instead, work hard with your hands so that you may give to others in need. That's, that's, you know, don't lie, but speak the truth. Okay, there's just usually there's something that God tells us to do. And if we focus on those things, that's a long first step towards recovery. Maybe there are times that you have marveled at someone else's faith. You've watched somebody go through a very difficult situation and they seem to sail through it and you just don't even understand how they could take it so calmly. How can you be at peace at a time like this? My desire is that you would be that person, that somebody else would marvel at a peace that passes all understanding. Here's the whole solution, just in case you have to leave early or if you tend to fall asleep. (laughs) Trusting God, thanking God, thinking on what is true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good, report, virtuous, or worthy of praise. That's it. You got it? Trusting God, first of all. Every prayer can be an act of faith. Every time you pray, you're believing that God is hearing, that he cares, that he's able to do something. What a a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. The funny thing is, if I were to sit down and ask almost any one of you How's your prayer life? How, how are you doing at that Christian discipline of prayer? And the reaction that I tend to get is, oh, not as good as it ought to be. It just seems like it's a universal reaction. Some of the godliest people I've ever known, oh, I haven't figured that out yet, how to really, it's just not like it should be. And some of it's our own fault as a church. And we, we put the guilt trip on people a little bit. I mean, I hate to spoil a song for you, but... Uh, you know, one time I had Doris sang the song at our church, and she left the room weeping when she got done with it. You know, it's like, how long has it been since you've talked with the Lord and told him your heart's hidden secrets? And, you know, at that point, the song is going really good. And then it's, how long since you prayed? How long since you stayed on your knees till the light shone through? I'm like, I've never, I've never done that. Never prayed all night long. I've never prayed all night long. I fall asleep. It's really awkward, you know, at the end of the day when my wife is praying and then I'm asleep while she's still praying. I tell her, you should have known that I would fall asleep. I mean, I fell asleep when we were dating. Not when we were, like, kissing, but, like, when we were watching TV, you know, okay? So... I fall asleep. You, you, you read the Bible sometimes and you, you see, well, if I, was in that, if I was in that situation, I would have done the right thing. You know, I see Peter, James, and John falling asleep on the night Jesus was arrested. I'm like, I feel it, you guys. I know what you're going through. I'd be doing the same thing. I can't say, wait, after 9 o'clock at night, man, I mean, I can... I can watch TV, I can talk to kids, I can tuck them into bed, take for a walk, play a game, but anything meaningful after 9 o'clock at night, just call me back at 5 in the morning, I'll be on it. Now, if you never pray, we need to talk. Okay? If you're a child of God and you never pray, you never talk, we, we, you need some help. Okay? And I'm, I'm here to help you. Okay? For the rest of us, here's my plea to you. Stop feeling guilty about your prayer life and start enjoying it. It is the greatest privilege of being a child of God that we can go to him in prayer anytime, anywhere, and we don't have to be eloquent about it. We don't even have to form words the Holy Spirit can interpret the groanings of our hearts and translate it back into the throne room of God. Okay, prayer is a privilege, and, I, and I'm telling you, if you will just enjoy it and treasure it, it will get easier and it will get better. Now, you already know that prayer is the antidote to worry. In other words, Kelly told me last night, it's like, you're going to talk about worry tomorrow. I'm going to be sitting there with my ears wide open. But here's the thing. I'm I'm telling you something you already know. That in order to overcome worry in your life, it's going to be done with prayer. And when you were four years old, you were singing it. Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus, he'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas, rest fully on his promise. And this is how I sounded when I was four. Why, woe-wee, 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 when you can play. <laughs> the grown-ups always wanted me to sing that song, you know. Like, I, I don't know, I just listened to Elmer Fudd every Saturday morning. It sounded <laughs> normal to me. So why do we teach four-year-olds? Because they're so full of worry? No, it's because they need to know it when they're 54 and 84 and 14 and every other day of their life. So then you open up the hymn book, and it's all your anxieties, all your care, bring to the mercy seat, leave it there. Never a burden he cannot bear. Never a friend like Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He knows when your heart is broken and it seems you can't go on. He knows when you feel forsaken When you're wounded and weary all alone, but kneel down and in prayer be true, Jesus knows what you're going through. Jesus knows what you're going through. He has promised he'll never leave you. Lean on him, feel his touch. Child, he loves you so much, Jesus knows what you're going through. For some of you, remember the Queen of Gospel, Mahalia Jackson from New Orleans. She could have been the greatest blues singer of the 20th century, but she said, You know, when you sing the blues, when you get all done with it, you still have the blues. But when you sing the gospel and you get done with it, people have hope. They have a smile on their face. And she would sing, I was weak and weary. I had lost my way. Walking in the darkness, I could not find my way. Then a light came shining to lead me from despair. All my sins forgiven and I was free from care. I found the answer, I learned to pray. With faith beside me, I found the way. The sun is shining for me each day. I found the answer, I learned to pray. Hey, I was restraining myself. That wasn't really my impersonation of a black woman. Okay, it was just, but I I love it. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day. I don't worry, or the future. Right, for I know what Jesus said. Okay, all of these songs we already know them. So we trust God and we show that we trust God by praying. And then we thank God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says that in everything give thanks, for it's the will of God concerning you. It doesn't mean that everything that happens to you is the will of God. Okay, If it was, then we wouldn't have to be praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so... But it is God's will that you give thanks in every situation. We do that by remembering what God has done for us in the past. One of the biggest benefits of being a Christian for multiple decades is our stories get longer, right? There's just more and more things that God has done for us. And so we have to remember that God already knows. You know, you start, if nothing else, you can say, God, I already know that you proved your love for me by sending Jesus to die for me. Okay, Romans 5.8. You can start there. But then as you're a Christian for multiple years, and God has done these things for you, he has healed you, he's provided for you, he's comforted you. To remain thankful in every circumstance, even when we don't understand. And one thing that I found helpful is to rehearse the Thanksgiving prayer ahead of time, before it happens. You know, sometimes we we'll say that kind of in a rote prayer, like, uh, "Lord, we'll give you the thanks for this." But just you practice it. You know, like I'm praying that God is going to deliver me from a certain situation, and so then just be ready to give thanks. And by the way, I think the longer we pray for something, we ought to, the longer we ought to thank God for something, too. Sometimes, you know, you pray for something, it's on the prayer list, you pray for it, and a year later, God answers a prayer, and it shows up on a prayer list one more time, and then it's gone. You know, we should be thankful longer as well. The classic examples of giving thanks in every situation I put up here are Corey Ten Boom and Matthew Henry. These are not things that I expect that this is the first time you've ever heard, okay? I think that I should just be able to say Corrie ten Boom and the fleas, and you would know what I'm talking about, okay? But I think if you don't know who Corey ten Boom is, and you are a Christian today, you need to read her biography. You need to know her story, okay? And so she was in a concentration camp in World War II. She was a Christian, But her family was harboring, hiding Jews, and so they got rounded up and got arrested. And in her barracks, there were fleas. And her sister said, let's give thanks to God for the fleas. And Corey's like, how in the world could we ever do that? And so she reluctantly thanked God for fleas. And the end of the story was that the guards would not come into those barracks because of the fleas, and Corey ten Boom and her sister held a Bible study and were leading people to Jesus inside the concentration camp in World War II. So thank God for fleas. And then Matthew Henry, his classic story was that he got robbed, and he was accustomed to writing a Thanksgiving prayer at the end of the day, and so on that day he said... Thank you, God, first of all, that although I was robbed, it was the first time that it ever happened. And second, I thank you that even though they took my purse, they did not take my life. And and third, even though they took everything I had, they didn't get much. (laughs) And fourth, I thank you, God, that I was robbed, and it was not I who robbed. And so... One day, not too long ago, I was actually coming, I believe I was coming home from a Sunday service, but I was, I heard Erwin Lutzer on the radio, and he was going to preach on on that, and he was going to use that illustration that day, and his wife was out of town, and so he stopped at McDonald's, and he got breakfast on his way to church, and he gets to church and finds out that the coffee was spilled, And he's like, I'm just going in here to preach about in everything, give thanks. And he said, So I thank you, God, that even though I spilled my coffee, I still have half of it. And I'm thankful that even though I spilled my coffee, it didn't spill on me. And I'm thankful that even though I spilled my coffee, at least it wasn't the syrup. And I'm thankful that even though I spilled my coffee, I'm driving my wife's car today instead of my own. (laughs) But sometimes it it takes some conscious effort to be thankful in every situation. We have to dig pretty deep. And sometimes we just have to be thankful for the bad thing, even when we don't understand what God's purpose is or how he will use it later on. And the promise of God is... That if we pray and we give thanks, then He will give us a peace of God, His peace that surpasses all understanding. The third thing is to direct our thoughts in a certain direction. He gives us eight words. Think on these things, things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. Let me go back, actually. <clears throat> We're promised to receive the peace of God, which will guard our hearts and our minds. It's a military word. He's going to guard it. It's a garrison, protection, protection. One day I went to visit my friend Ken in the hospital. He was dying of kidney failure. And he was very dejected. And I walked in the room and his shoulders sunk even more. And he said, Pastor, I don't have any faith left. And I probed a little bit more. And he said, I've always heard that God can't give you any more than you can handle And I can't handle this, so I guess I don't have enough faith. And I looked him in the eye and I said, Would it help you feel better if I told you that the Bible doesn't say that? He's like, What do you mean? The Bible does not say that God will not give you more than you can handle, it's not there. Now, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says that there's no temptation given you beyond that you're able to handle this temptation. But even in that verse, it's because God is faithful, and in every case, he gives you a way of escape. And I worked with Ken and, and told him, the truth statement is there's nothing that you are going through that God can't handle. But no, to think that you could get through your life without God, to think that you could... You know, to, you're losing your faith and because you're trying to get through things in your own power instead of the Holy Spirit? No way. Okay, so uh, I continued to go visit him every day and um, I didn't know, I told him, I said, I don't know if, he, the the joy just came into his face and said, I don't know if I'm preparing for your funeral or your baptism. And um he said, "Oh, if I get out of this hospital, I'm going to get baptized." And um, after he got out of the hospital, I asked him a couple weeks later, and he said, the, "The problem is, I've got all these ports for um, dialysis, and I, I just I can't I can't get submerged in the water." And, and so and then he ended up going back in the hospital, and, and I did prepare I did preach his funeral, and um, but I was able to share with everyone that his faith he died with his faith alive and depending on God right to the end. Whatever things are true, I'm going to go through this list very quickly. I'm not going to pretend to expound on this. I'm just putting these, these words into our mind uh, from Philippians 4, eight. Everything that is true, these are synonyms of it, real, reliable, valid, honest, nonfiction. I mean, there's, there's a time and place for fiction and fantasy, but if you're worried about something, you need to dwell on what's true. Uh, and you know, you've heard people say, you know, half the things or 8% of the things that you worry about aren't even real or so on. By the way, not everything you read on the internet is real either, <laughs> just, just throwing that out there. So focus on things that are true, do Bible studies, read biographies, overcome worry with things that are real, things that are noble, respectable, dignified, reverent, non-trivial. So focus on things that are, that are serious. You can, I mean, It doesn't have to be sad. I mean, you can be focusing on anniversaries or accomplishments, celebrations, thinking the best of things people, want to meditate about things that are just, righteous, good, fair, equitable. Let me tell you, there's nothing more just in this world than the gospel of Jesus. So focus your thoughts on evangelism and world evangelism and missions and, you know, spend some time praying for a missionary, focus your mind that direction, Bible translation and so on. Train your thoughts to think on whatever is pure. It means pure. means chaste, untainted, unstained. It's not enough to just say get your mind out of the gutter, but focus your mind on what is good and honorable and pure. Go beyond sexual things and think self-sacrificing love. Whatever things are lovely... It's the only time that this word, Greek word that's used here, is in the New Testament. So you can't really compare it to other places. Things that are pleasing, inspiring, graceful, amiable, attractive, like a magnet would attract somebody. It's used in the Greek translation of the book of Esther, describing Esther when she approached the king, not knowing whether she would be put to death for approaching him but it said that she approached him in her lovely uh, robes, something that would be attractive to him. Whatever things are of good report. Where's Harry? He's got to pronounce these Greek words, not me. I mean, euphemos, that looks pretty easy, but I'm scared now. <laughs> to speak well of someone, right? Whatever things are of good report not listening to gossip and griping. A few of you need to watch less news uh, that's doing you more harm than good. Focus on things that are of good report, good news, things that are virtuous, excellent, anything that's worthy of praise. Think on these things. Meditate on these things. It means to rehearse on these things. And Let me throw one more thought at you, and that is sometimes if... If nothing else is working, just focus on Jesus. You know, sometimes people go, oh, I just don't understand the Trinity. Well, just follow Jesus, okay? The other stuff will come, okay? You're not going to go wrong with just following after our Savior. And so when we think about these eight words, do not they describe our Lord Jesus is true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, praiseworthy. Here's some examples. Jesus is true, the faithful witness, the amen. He, he is noble. He is not just noble. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is just. He is called in the scripture the righteous one. He is pure. Even his enemies said there's no fault in him. And although the first time that Jesus came, there was nothing about him that particularly was physically attractive, when you see Jesus, he will be dazzling bright. All of the gem colors that are described of Jesus when you see him. Of good report, he got the report three times. His father broke through the sky. That's my son in whom I am well pleased. Is anything virtuous about Jesus? The great creator became my savior. Is he worthy of praise? Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive honor and glory and blessing. What about those four people that we mentioned at the beginning of the day? At the end of the day lost my conclusions. George remembered all of the times that God had been meeting his needs in unique ways his whole life. And he left the room confident that God was going to work out all the details. I didn't even put on my Ray Charles glasses and sit at the piano. But, you know, he was saying, I know the Lord's been in tougher scrapes than this one. And it ain't gonna worry my mind. Right? Okay. So Phyllis, when she left the room, she still had cancer. She was still going home to live alone, but she had a peace of God that surpassed all understanding. Her God was the keeper of her heart and her mind. Her body had cancer, but her, her emotions, her thinking were totally controlled by the Holy Spirit. Matt, the soldier, was publicly prayed for by the pastor, personally pledged that the congregation would take care of anything that Mindy needed while she, he was gone. And he left strengthened, confident, ready to be a witness For Christ, and already rehearsing the Thanksgiving prayer that he would make when the video was made of him returning home. And Charlotta, she knew as that list of words was read that they described the exact opposite of where her brain had been for all these months. The end of the service, everybody else is standing up, singing as we go, may the spirit go with us. And she sat there. The Holy Spirit put this into her mind. Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. And she knew that the battle for her thought life and her depression was far from over. But as she stepped through the The door to go outside, somehow her spirit felt lighter. And when she got to the car, before she would change her mind, she got out a card that she had gotten out many times but never called for a Christian counselor. And she left a voicemail call me back tomorrow, I need help. What's your story? What are you worried about? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Have a moment of prayer with him right now as the musicians come back. Father, we're thankful that you hear our prayers even in our seats still right now. Those things that are of concern, those things that we can't stop thinking about, we're going to commit them to prayer. We're going to ask you for help. We're going to see if your word is faithful to us that if we will pray about them that you will replace worry with peace. I ask you to do that work in our lives. May we retrain our thoughts in the way that you have instructed us to do so, that we would meditate on these kind of things. Thank you for your love for us, for our relationship with you.